Chris. Hey, welcome. I'm Linus Torvalds, and I started Linux in 1991. One of the more interesting parts about Linux is how it turns out in the most unexpected places. Wait a minute, is he doing our bit? Yep. Is he doing our runs Linux bit? Uh, is Linus stealing our bit? So when I started Linux, I needed a, an operating system for my own use. And today, you find Linux everywhere, in small embedded devices, supercomputers. This technology allows you it's to expand into many different niches. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 144 for May 10th, 2016. Oh, welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's stealing the Unix mindshare every single week. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Right, Wes? That feels about right. I think so. Yeah. That's our mission. Now, this week on the Unplugged program, we have a heck of a show for you. We're doing a heck of a job for you this week, guys, because guess what? We have big updates from some of our favorite open source projects. I might be a little cranky. I don't know. So we'll see how that turns out on this week's episode. Always an adventure. There's some of these updates, Wes, that I just have a strong opinion about. Uh, Some good, some bad. Uh, Later on in the show, we're going to talk a little more about Linux Mint. Uh, Also, an early look at Fedora 24, a few things you might be interested in. And one of our favorite open source projects has launched a Kickstarter. We'll talk about that as well, Wes, as a few other surprises Mixed in there. Yeah, yeah. Mixed in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking mm. forward to it. Uh, episode 144, for those of you who don't know, is a lucky podcast number. And so Wes was feeling fired up and brought us something from Caldera. No, not Linux. It's beer. Hopportunity Knox IPA. Brewed in Ashland, Oregon. Yeah, from Oregon. An India Pale Ale. An Indian Pale Okay, here we go. Ha <laughs> Now, this bad boy is rocking in a... 6.8% APV. You know, and then first on the ingredient list, mountain water. Not regular water. <laughs> That's, this is mountain beer, folks. <laughs> All right. So uh, I also, I don't want to bury the lead this week. We're doing something really important. Uh, this is important work. We're bringing in uh, one of my favorite all-time computers into the sick bay. Uh, bring it over here. We got uh, the Apollo here. Now, over the weekend, PCI SSD in this thing. Gave up the ghost. I don't know so if it's, it's the even port. more useful to you now. I don't know if it's the port. I don't know if it is the uh, the card itself or the what. So I thought, Wes, as the show goes on, we take the pants off the oh, Apollo. Yeah. Try a little troubleshooting. Maybe the card's just loose, and maybe we can pick, stick Jam it back it in right, there. In right. There. Yeah. So we've brought. Oh, hold on. Where's our sick bay noise? Wait. So we've brought it. I say we brought it. In, there we go. We brought it into the sick bay. We also have a backup. Uh, like a you know one of these uh, PCI SSDs that came with it. So this is the one that came with the Apollo, Apollo that has Ubuntu 1404. Or I'm sorry, 1604. The one in here, aftermarket, has Antargos installed, Ooh. which would be my preferred OS. So right. Uh, also, Wes, uh, as we get along here, I brought in. Oh, hold on, Wes. There we go. Thank I you. Brought I need in here. That. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do because we're do. we're in the PC sick bay. Hey, I spent a long time finding this loop. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna use it. Yes. Uh, I have your weapons, sir. Ooh, your your repair kit, as that. it were. So we'll just you maybe we'll just check in throughout the okay. show. 
you know, uh, bump your microphone a few times as you're going, so that I, way we know yeah, you're working. Absolutely. And I'll, and then we can swap back and forth if we need to, too. It's right. not all on you, but I'll just let you start as I get us rolling here. That sounds good. Because uh, before we go too much further, and now that our uh, loop has ran out one more time, it's absolutely time to bring in our mumble room, our virtual lug. Time-appropriate greetings! Virtual lug. Hello. 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 Hey, Whoa! Look at, look at that, there, Wes. We got ourselves a nice turnout. Hello, everybody. It is good dear to see friends. you. It's good to see you, our dear friends, on the uh, Unplugged program joining us. Now, I don't know how many of you out there have a PlayStation 4. Uh, I don't. Uh, I've never been particularly interested, but that might just be changing. And maybe booting up a PlayStation 4 in the not-too-distant future, because it looks like it may be possible to run Linux on one of these bad mamajamas. Now, this is sort of like a layered hack. It starts with a jailbreak that happened back in December. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, the PlayStation 4 runs like Orbis OS. Did you know about this, Orbis OS? Only a little. Yeah, it's based on free BSD. The BSD Now guys will make sure you you know that if you watch that show. And, And Gadget reports that there's a bug in WebKit. Now, you're able to gain access to the kernel via this bug. It, oh, now here's the catch, though, as like all of these things. It only works on Orbis 1.74, which is a much older version than the 3.11 that is out right now. The hardest part about getting Linux on a PlayStation 4 is finding one that... Hello, hi there. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. hi. The hardest thing about finding uh, or getting Linux on this, the hardest thing about this hack is getting an older version of PlayStation. So it uses this jailbreak. And now the Corbra team is working on another thing, too, that's going to make it even easier. It's like a full Linux distro ready to go. So you've got a jailbreak. Then you've got another team that's working on the Linux thing specifically. And they've been demoing, like, software running on the PS4 using hardware. Uh, and then on top of that, you got another team that's working on packaging it all up and making it super easy to use. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So there is a lot coming down the pipe for the PlayStation 4, making it possibly a really cool little um, powerful Linux compute machine. All thanks to a jailbreak Just found back in Just one more computer you can turn, run Linux on and not play games. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's mean. No, it's, it's about dead on. You're right about that. <laughs> Damn it, Wes. Damn it. Um, is Josh in the uh, virtual log this week? I don't see him in there, son of a gun. I was going to ask him uh, just how much he – how does he get so much damn attention for Solace? You know, I've been thinking about this. We go through the headlines every single week. In fact, I said 30 on the pre-show. I bet you it was damn near 50 links that between you, myself, and the beard – we went through damn near 50 links, different stories, and we do like four project updates at the top of Linux Unplugged, and we go through like 50 stories to figure out which of the four we're going to put in the right. show. And we're just like, you know, which ones do we even feel like talking about? That's really what, what, what is, what's, good for the, what's good for us to talk about, what's, what's going to make a good discussion, what's good for the audience to know about. And one that's always on the, in the news feeds, like almost on a damn weekly basis, you would think, right, like out of all the distributions out there, Ubuntu and Linux Mint and OpenSUSE and Arch and Fedora, if I'm going to tell you one of these distributions in the news every week, you're going to say, oh, well, it's Ubuntu. Well, maybe. But one that it's surprisingly in the news every single damn week practically is Solus. Uh, and uh, Josh uh, was uh, doing a post over at Solus. They have This Week in Solus, the 20th edition actually, where he talks about uh, the entire project getting a rebrand in a sense, a, a rebrand of a consistent brand, I guess I should say. Uh, and something else. They talk about a brand new software center. There's no getting around the fact that the software center in Solus 1.1 sucks, Josh writes. 
Software discoverability and ease of use for installation of software is incredibly important to us, and we want to tackle it with urgency. So we're doing something about it now. Wow. This cycle, and it's going to be amazing. Now, is it the way they talk? Is that why we cover, well, not necessarily we, we cover only some of what they gets reported on. Yeah, I mean, the combination, like, they, they have opinions, and they're moving fast. Our current thing sucks, and we acknowledge it, instead of being, like, all hoity-toity about it and being like, well, yeah. there's a lot of priorities. Because they're so new, like, they don't have a... No, they don't have a lot of image and ego yet just because well, they they but their image long. almost is like, yeah, we'll just tell it like it is. Yeah. Which straightforward. I like. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, you know, we've talked to them and they're, they are straightforward. It is. Yeah, we have. And Josh. Uh, Josh is great. Yeah. And so is Ike. Uh, so, you know, or Ike. Yeah. Ike. I don't know. I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around this project though, I, because for an for a, for a upstart distro built on, from scratch that's building its own software center from scratch. We don't talk about it like it's this crazy project that has no chance of succeeding that eventually will, the developers will just burn out and it'll go away. We talk about it like it's like in the top like 10 big, of Distro right. Watch or something. I, I know I find it uh, to be fascinating. What do you think, Rotten Corpse? We were kind of uh, chatting about it offline a little bit. I'm curious your thoughts about it. Yeah, I think it's because they do something that a lot of distros don't do, which is talk about it. We, we talk about Solus because Solus talks about Solus. Like how often do people talk about OpenSUSE correlates to how I don't know. I mean, don't you don't you think? Uh, I mean, OpenSUSE uh, has paid PR people. OpenSUSE pays to be part of um, OpenSource.com. They have uh, Richard, who's on here often, and Richard, who's all over Reddit during comments. I mean, they have people out there talking. In fact, I'd say OpenSUSE has people talking a lot about OpenSUSE. Yeah, starting last um, six months ago, probably. Actually, I, not even that much, really. I, like when they started talking about the new leap and the new tumblebeat stuff, then it started picking up and people talked about it. Before that, no one talked about OpenSUSE because they didn't. Now they're talking about it. Now Richard is more active in Reddit and here and a lot of places. But if <laughs> you look at other distro, if you look at other distros, how often do they talk about anything? Like for example, Clem has never done an interview ever. Right. No, I, I guess I see your point to an extent. They make a release, and that's it. Uh, and so you think it's really just a matter of frequent, hyper frequent updates? Well, just the, the fact that they're open about it, and they're t- like, uh, Wimpy is for Ubuntu Mante. He's mm-hmm. constantly talking about it. He's, a, he's available to talk to if you want to, in like the forums and stuff. And with, with Solus, you can go to the Google Plus uh, group or community, and you can talk to them anytime you want to. And there's, the, they have, they're more accessible and they're more active in the discussion. You don't think that delivering too also don't. has something to do with it? Like actually delivering on. Well, yeah, it's definitely so. They're they're also the way they talk is also interesting, and the way that they're consistently and releasing new things, and they're showing you that they are being consistent about it. But I think it's because that they are, are they're more open and transparent about all of the stuff they're doing, is gets you more interested in talking to them about it and you know using it and stuff like that. So, all right, here we are, and we're taking the bottom off the uh, <clears throat> the Apollo right now. Here's what I'm thinking. I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think it's loose, uh, because um, the the drive is screwed down. You know, I mean, the little PCI SSD is it's screwed down with a screw right there. So it's not a matter of being loose. It's possible it died. Well, I was hoping it was just not in the slot, but right. That would that would be the ideal case. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe maybe it's a little cattywampus. What do you think, Wes? Is it a little cattywampus in the slot? 
Maybe just a little bit. It could be. Oh, man, it would save me so much time if I didn't have to reload that machine. I just reloaded that machine to Arch, not like about, what, a week or two ago after? Yeah. Well, good point, uh, Rotten, and I say good on them, and I say good on Josh and, and all of them for uh, doing a good job with it because it's, it's still Absolutely. fascinating to follow. Uh, I wasn't trying to make it seem like they weren't doing something good. It's fantastic. I just want more people, more yeah, distros to yeah, do it. Yeah, You know, speaking of things that distros should do, there's just not a, there's not a nice way to talk about this next story. Uh, Manjaro, uh, their SSL certificate expired again. <laughs> <laughs> like, can we just can we just uh, uh, set a date to remind ourselves? Like, right. didn't didn't just didn't it just happen right. a year ago? Just use calendar. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Nagios is also very good at this. Like, yeah. ten days before, just set a reminder. Yeah, yeah. I agree, North Ranger. I likely did not dislodge the M dot drive, but you never know. You never know. Uh, so they or maybe are they can on switch it. to Let's Encrypt. Go. They forward. say that. Yeah, they say easier time. They say they might switch to Let's Encrypt uh, to have. Uh, they say they they apologize for the outage. So if you're having, there's any... actually a free service you can sign up for that will notify you just for this particular situation for certificates. <laughs> if you're having any, you know what? It's funny is I, I you know the Manjaro guys good on them. Uh, you know they've built something that people like. Uh, but I I got. I got an email or a tweet. I can't remember what it was now because it all runs together. I'm sorry. But I just got a note just before the show started saying, hey, I love Linux Unplugged, and I switched over to uh, Manjaro because of you guys. And I thought, oh, close. <laughs> yeah. Close. Yeah. Yeah. No cigar. Yeah, I thought, okay. All right. Well, uh, no, that's fine. I, I, You know what? It's great. I, and I hope you have fun playing with Arch, and Manjaro think, can be whatever you want it. I think Ham, Ham, aren't you a Manjaro user? Are you still in the mumble room there, Ham? I remember if he. Uh, I think he. I think he left. But I know when he was up here for editing, uh, he was a pretty big fan of Mandro. He actually likes the slightly delayed updates. That's one of the things he actually prefers about oh, okay. it. Okay, interesting. So, I haven't him. heard that before. Yeah, yeah. North Ranger. I don't know what show they listen to. I thought that was kind of funny, though. I did. I did like that. Hey, uh, while we're at it, while we're talking about things that are funny, you know what's funny? How much I freaking love digital. Oh ocean. my gosh! I'm starting to wonder if it's some sort of disorder, Wes. It's getting it's getting embarrassing up in here. Uh, we have been building systems like nuts over DigitalOcean. Hey, are you still experimenting with the uh, with the sixteen oh four over oh, there yeah, on the DO with, uh, with LexD? Heck yeah, it's Ooh. great. Are you using LexD on DigitalOcean? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty it's nice. Very you, know, you can spin up like maybe like a ten dollar rig and yeah. then just put a bunch of containers on it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's funny when we talk about containers these days. We mostly talk about Docker, but that's out there and it's ready to go. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider that is dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your rig up on their great systems. They're all SSDs, tier one bandwidth, data centers all over the world. And if you use the promo code DO unplugged, all one word lowercase, you get a ten dollar credit. That ten dollar credit let you try that five dollar dollar rig. Two months. Absolutely for free. They have hourly pricing if you just want to try something out for a bit. If you're watching this live right now, you're watching it through a DigitalOcean droplet. If you're in our mumble room right now, you're on a DigitalOcean droplet. If you reply to me in the chat, you're replying to me from a DigitalOcean droplet. You know, and it's really, it's just so convenient. You mm. can get them near you. Mm-hmm. In a minute yeah. or less. Yep, yep. And whatever size you need, and if you need to upgrade later, it's a straightforward process. Backups and snapshots couldn't be easier because their interface is cray-cray easy. It's, like, seriously slick. They have an API to match it. And then on top of all of that, redonkly good documentation. They have senior editors that they have on staff. Their job is to vet this stuff. And when community members who are often going to be brilliant, which probably because a lot of them are you guys, uh, they uh, they edit it. They they check it. They vet it. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code DO Unplugged. Go spin up your next machine. 
on DigitalOcean. It is fantastic. One of the things I love, too, about it now is I have multiple droplets, many droplets over there, and just managing all of it is so straightforward. It's nice having it all under one house. Love it. Clean even, UI. Even uh, though I have them in different parts of the world. This is really cool. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code DO Unplugged. Big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged program. Okay, Wes, did it boot Ubuntu? No, it did not. Oh, no, really? So it might be the slot in the motherboard. Oh, no. That is a bummer. I mean, I'm sure Entraware would be up for fixing it, but the idea of being out without a computer for a couple of weeks is a major bummer, especially because I just got all those cool stickers on it. Wait, wait, let me try. Are you uh, going into the boot menu right now? Oh, Wes, this is, uh, <laughs> this is, this is tight. I don't know what to do. Uh, mumble room, can someone in there console me? Come on, tell me it's going to be all right because I'm starting to worry. Oh, oh, we have Ubuntu. Oh, okay, so the slot works. Okay, I, all right. I haven't screwed on the bottom. Yeah, so. that's it. No, yep. Okay, that's okay, good. So, so should I try the other one I again? would try shutting it down and putting the other one back in there. Maybe it just got dislodged. Right. What I was talking to Wes about before the show was how great it would be to go out and do unplugged on location and do OBS from the Apollo. Have I think, some beers. I, yeah. Some, oh, man. I think that Skylake uh, uh, CPU in there could handle it, but uh, we will find out. Now, let's shift gears completely and talk about Unity 8. There's been... Do we have to, Chris? Uh, just a real quick one. An interesting development. Just we'll move on from this. But uh, Michael Hall, a uh, canonical employee, most of you know has been dogfooding Unity 8, actually trying it out on his own computer, and he has been blogging his journey. And it sounds mostly positive. He talks about the pros and cons, and I'll leave it to you to read it, including how to get it all installed if you want to try it, and all of that good stuff, and using traditional apps. But here's what he wrote. Whenever you have a new desktop environment, which, of course, Unity 8 effectively is, and the latest UI toolkit, QT5, you have to be concerned about performance and resource use. And given the bleeding edge nature of Unity 8 on the desktop, I was expecting to sacrifice some CPU cycles, battery life, and RAM. But if anything, the opposite was the case. I get at least as many hours on my battery as I do with Unity 7, and I was using less than half the RAM I typically do. That sounds nice. does, doesn't it? Moreover, things I was expecting to cause me problems surprisingly didn't. I was able to use Google Hangouts for my video conferences, which I knew had to be enabled in the browser, and I fully expected Suspend and Resume to have trouble with Mirror, given the years I spent with X11 in the past, but it worked nearly flawlessly. He has some details below. Here's a couple things that didn't work. Unity 8 is still very bleeding edge as a desktop shell, and if you want to use it, you need to be prepared for some pain. Hasn't been bad enough to to stop him yet, but he's had issues like middle click paste doesn't uh, work when you have highlighted text. Uh, which you kind of realize how much you become dependent on that once you don't have yes, it. Yes, you do. Oh, man. Yeah. You can't copy between Mirror and XMirror Windows yet, which makes it super not easy. And uh, Unity 8 itself doesn't super support uh, multiple Windows, one uh, for per application, one app per app, one window per app. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, he's a unit. He's using it. Unity 8 is being used right now. Anybody in the Mumba room uh, trying it? Come on, somebody. Nobody? Oh, come on. Well, Wes, you know what that means. You should try it. We, I have to try it. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. If there's I'm some good instructions kidding. for it, I mean, I'll, I'll do it. I'll All right. It. So here, I'll take over. Here, let me take over because I want to hear your thoughts about Fedora 24 here in a moment. So I can, I can, uh, I'll tighten down the, I'll batten down the hatches. I'll, here, hand me the screwdriver. And uh, you, sir, pretty much damn near every week, although this week is an exception, have been formatting your rig and trying out distros. Uh, so you can give us impressions here on this show. Stuff that we might not normally dedicate like an entire review segment to, but ones that we thought, hey, let's just check in on and see what Wes thinks. So, Wes, you've been trying out Fedora 24, 
beta or attempting to try out Fedora 25. Yes. Tell me how it's been going. Well, okay. To be fair, I do format or partition this hard drive a lot. So at this point, there's probably like three or four operating systems on there. And it kind of changes all the time. I don't always have a good index of like what's on here or not. But it's kind of a good test too because I'm never like – I almost never wipe the entire drive. I have some kind of document on here I want or a system I was playing with. So Fedora did have that stacked against them. So I, I booted – they get their own flash drive, booted into it, and uh, you know go to set it up like normal, click through it at first. And it looks very nice. And I always appreciate like Fedora's boot up. They have a very nice – usually it's pretty polished. You know, Consistent. It's like a, Gnome is good. They know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And they usually have like Plymouth enabled and – the you know the entire boot up experience is pleasant, but once I got into the installer, I just that the Anaconda like partitioning, yeah, and you know file system selection screen, I just can't. Laravel says that they've mucked up Anaconda again over on Pharonix. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the state it was in before. <laughs> it's always changing. It's never been my do. favorite installer, but it's just I as Chris saw, I was trying to just install it, root you know everything into one partition, ext four. Simple, install Grub on the main drive. There's only one drive in the machine, and it's telling me I need to make a boot slash EFI partition, but it's not EFI. It's not GPT. It's just MBR BIOS. It's very strange. So, hmm. I, so would really like was, to, I would really like to play with it more. It was a I like vanilla Fedora. setup. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the hard drive just fell out of the bottom of it. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's see. It should Watch s- as Chris breaks the Librem here, folks. No, this is the Apollo. Oh, the Apollo, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I put the PCI SSD in that has uh, Antergos in there, and survey says we're not booting. So that sucker. Oh, man. And it was selected, that one in the BIOS? Uh, I mean, yeah, it should be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I should probably put the hard drive that fell out back in, but uh, oh. yeah. So is that – oh, man, that's rough. Yeah, dude. I wonder uh, why that would just drop dead. You know, and the thing about Newegg there is, no why, is right? I have gotten burned several times now by Newegg on returns, and I don't like to do returns because who has the time? Right. Ain't nobody got time for that, Wes. Uh, and so – but we did – we had a machine that we got that was no good, and uh, – you know, it was one of these things where I literally – I bought it on Newegg because Newegg takes Bitcoin. And that was like the reason I, I got – I have it. Bitcoin. I yes. need things. And I needed Boom. a machine. And so the machine came in and like the CPU was dead. Bad CPU. Or the motherboard or something. And of course, it's a completely built machine, so we just send it back. And they, they rejected our return for whatever reason. So I don't – I don't – I don't know. So with this, this was bought from, on Newegg as well. I just Classic Newegg. Yeah, I just – I don't know. I feel super defeated – I feel like a, a bit of a fool for getting into buying parts anymore. I should just buy computers that have everything soldered on because apparently that's the only thing that works. No, no, no. Just buy from Amazon. I, I, they don't know. care what you return to that. Yeah, so get Amazon. Sure, no, it. that's fine. Get Amazon to take Bitcoin. You know, Mac OS X, that's Unix, Chris. That might be a nice <laughs> MacBook. You'll have no complaints. Got your bash, you know, oh, whatever. jeez. So you weren't able to get too far in the Fedora 24 process, huh? No, not really. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I'll play with it more. And when in Fedora 24 comes I mean, out, I'm sure beta, I'll install yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's nothing against it. It's more just like, I don't like how in, in the Ubuntu installer, it's really easy to just pick your partition, tell it to format it, make it root, and go. And this, it's like, it's a little unclear because it kind of lists your other Linux installations, but it doesn't give you... Maybe it's better for new users. New users, I'm not sure, but as someone who understands disk partitioning, it's frustrating to not have a real representation of what the disk looks like and be able to understand that, or like have an accounting of how much free space is on the disk. Or you know, it's like 
I would just you, want G parted and like, do yeah, it and I be done with it. G- that's probably the way to do, way to go then. Yeah, I probably that's what I'll probably do. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm thinking we should probably swap yeah, back I'll to pop the that back in. Which is a bummer. See, this is a this is a 256, and that's a that's a 120, 120. and that's why I wanted to go to this. And this is a Samsung 850. And this is a Kingston. You'd think this would be the right? higher quality part, but uh, that's a nice drive. But it, it geez. Uh, so, anyways, that's just sort of depressing because that means I have to reload my machine for like a third time. <laughs> should we just uh, put Fedora twenty four beta on here yeah, while right, we're doing yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, that should be great. See if it can handle the M two. Uh, now we've got uh, wallpapers available for Fedora twenty four extra wallpapers, and they're actually pretty nice. Yeah, I, some I norm- of these are pretty nice. I normally don't mention this kind of stuff because I know you guys are like, oh, it doesn't really matter. But I actually think they're pretty cool, so we'll link to them in the show notes. I didn't love the default background of the stars, though, like the starry thing. That I said it was okay, actually. I mean, I don't know. All right, that's just me. Yeah, you're right. It, it's a little underwhelming, I guess. That's because that's it right there. If you're watching the video version, uh, that is. It's a, okay. I, I feel like like real stars would have been prettier though. Ooh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. So I guess uh, the lesson learned there is just wait. Although if you're able to get it, if you're able to get it and try it out, yes, I'll I'll, get, I'll see if I give it a shot yeah. next week. There's a bunch of really kind of interesting spins releasing right now too on Ubuntu 16.04. Uh, I've been noticing a lot of distros like Easy Linux and uh, a couple other mm. ones that that have come out recently that are all based on Ubuntu 16.04. So it's like now is the time when like a, an avalanche of those is landing. And there's also been a lot of Linux Mint news, which we're going to get to more uh, Linux yes, Mint stuff there here. Has. Here in a bit, but yeah, I thought uh, I'm looking for the name of the uh, the. Uh, er, oh yeah, okay. Here's the other one. This was the other one. It's called like Urk Linux or something like this. It was launched. Arook. Arook. Yes. Did you hear about this? Yeah, it was based on TriSQL, right? Or yeah, or Triskel. But now, but now, but now, it's based on Ubuntu 16.04. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, there you go. A real-time follow-up from BC in the chat room talking about uh, using Bitcoin with Amazon. Oh, it's back. Oh, look at that. Gift had actually, uh, Gift had been disabled to purchase Amazon gift cards with Bitcoin. That is a little workaround. If you have some Bitcoin and you want to buy on Amazon, you can buy gift uh, cards. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, except for uh, at the beginning of May, they weren't accepting uh, Bitcoin for Amazon, so I couldn't do that. They had shut down for a while. It was bad timing. It was bad timing. That's why I, I seriously, like on last one, I was pleading with System76 to accept Bitcoin. I mean it. Mm-hmm. I, I, really, I really do mean it. Just please. please. I love this Apollo, uh, and it's not the Apollo's fault that the Samsung drive died. No. You know, it's not. It's, no. But whew, it's, a bit of, it's, it's a bit of a setback. And it's still, I still, it's, it's My a, condolences, it's not like, Chris. It's not like I spilled beer all over I'm it glad at least you have a backup it's, yeah. M2. Right yeah, here. that's true. That's true. It's, and it could have been worse. It could have gotten beer spilled all over it. Speaking of which, how are you enjoying Sucking. the beer? Oh, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's, it's quite hoppy. Yeah, it is. It is really. I'm, I'm about halfway done with mine. Not my favorite IPA, but yeah. it's enjoyable. Yeah. So I guess we're already done with the, uh, hold on, let me bring it back. We're, we're already done with the Apollo sickbay. We figured out that it is indeed the drive. And that problem solved, and I can either just use Ubuntu again or uh, reload that with Arch. Wipe it and reload. I expected that to take us the entire episode. Good job, Wes. Woo, we're an efficient pair. All it's right. Because well. Noah's not here, I think. <laughs> Hello, everybody. There you go. That's a good one. I like that. Okay, so we have to talk about Mint. Um, and when I said everyone earlier, else is right. When I said earlier in the show that uh, I was getting kind of grumpy and cranky. Uh, I actually think it's because of the stuff I was talking about with Mint on the Linux Action Show. And I, I do want to make a correction to my coverage. So really briefly, for those of you who didn't see last week's episode, because I'm sure that's plenty of you, um, I sort of took the position and argument that Mint is entering into an era of unprecedented technical debt for a project their size. 
with uh, their continuation of Mate based on GTK2, with their forking of many standard desktop apps to X apps, with their themes, with Cinnamon and the Mate project in general, or Mate project in general. I, I kind of was trying to build the case that there's a technical debt that they're entering here. Now, I did make the inaccurate uh, statement that uh, the X apps were based on GTK2. That is not true. They're based on GTK3. Right. That's the kind of part of the point of them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's mostly because I just don't really care about that point because that's not really my point. My point that's is not your problem with it. <laughs> these, yeah, exactly. These apps are being forged. But it's, it's, I should be accurate when I'm talking about it. So I apologize for that mistake. Um, so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it as I know you've been a – are you running Mint right there on that laptop now? It's one of the partitions. Yeah, you're, and you're running Mint right there on the Bonobo. Yes. And I just want to give the um, virtual log a chance to talk about this issue in general. And uh, maybe we could talk wider too about the uh, – well – one of the things that offends me about this entire Mint situation, and I think the biggest part is the X apps. I feel like that was the line that was too far, and I don't know why. I just feel like that was sort of the line that felt like there was a bit of curmudgeon stick in the mud. We can do this better than other people. And then it was all sold to us in a these will be for all distributions rallying cry, which is so often the rallying cry of the random forker. That, oh, this is for all, when in reality it's for your own project. And so the arrogance of it sort of smacked me in the face. And so that was sort of a line that, uh, that they crossed as a project with me that made me sort of reevaluate sort of the long-term realistic viability I think they have as a project. And so I tried to, I tried to sort of talk about that on Sunday's show, but it was in the context of covering the news, and it just, it just wasn't really the best place to do it. So I, I, and, I, and I wanted to see if maybe you guys think I got something wrong, maybe I should walk it back a bit. So we're going to talk about that just for a moment in the show. Because in the, in the show notes, I put it as, is Mint too big to fail? Sort of, you know, obviously tongue-in-cheek play on the banks. But like when you have a, when you have a distribution, I, I, I just... I just read this this stupid blog post from one of these random tech sites that gets some traffic. Top 10 Linux distributions of 2016. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of those. Yeah. Number one distro. <laughs> Linux Mint. Number one distro. And they're always like this. DistroWatch. Top of the list. Linux Mint. There is a position of public perception that Linux Mint enjoys that only Ubuntu rivals. And likely surpasses. And so the idea that Linux Mint could collapse, probably to a lot of us seems, oh, that's impossible. That's impossible, They're Chris. a staple in the community. But is it more like because if they did collapse, we would look like such a, such a bunch of clown shoes as a community that we can't even fathom it? Uh, because see, it seems like that's where we're headed. So maybe I'm getting worked up here, but I want to talk about that with you guys and why I think it's a huge deal more. Uh, and maybe better state my case. So I'm going to start by mentioning Ting. Let's start right here by mentioning Ting. Everybody right now, linux.ting.com. Let's all go there like a group mind. We don't need the Borg to act as one group mind. Linux.ting.com. You go there, you get a discount, you support this show. If you got a phone, Ting's going to give you a credit. If you don't have a phone, and you might have a phone that works, you should check it out because they got CDMA and GSM. But if you don't have a phone, they give you $25 to buy something nice. They got a bunch of great unlocked phones you can get directly, or you can go get really. I mean, there's all these great phones at Ting. Everything from the budget, like they, you can just get the SIM card, or like a feature phone for sixty bucks, or all the way up to the Cadillacs. You know, the 
the S7s and the and the internet phone six S's and the six P's and whatnot. But uh, I really am a huge fan of the five X if you can afford it. I think it's a great budget phone. You can you can get it from Ting or Google Play, and you can just bring it over right now. It's you know perfect in that sense on Ting because you have an unlocked device getting Google updates directly on a pay for what you use mobile service provider, and the five X supports GSM or CDMA. <laughs> It's the perfect situation. You can pop in the SIM and activate on their website, never talk to him and beat if you want, although they have great customer service. You pay for what you use on all their devices. Unlimited devices, just $6 a month for the line, and then whatever you got to pay Uncle Sam. And then you just pay for your usage. It's brilliant. You want hotspot or tethering? Turn it on. It's not like, I, <laughs> before I had Ding, I had to call my mobile service provider and say, um, I, w- I would like to get uh, hotspot. I would like to be able to use the uh, hotspot checkbox that's built into my operating system. Oh, okay. Well, Mr. Fisher, you need to sign up for our family share plan. Or, well, we can give you an extra two gigs a month with it was redonkulous. I hated it. Not with Ting. Plus, they have great tools to give you total control over your account on your phone or through any device through the web. People love Ting, and Ting is great. Go check them out. From SIM cards starting at $9, the Ansatel One Touch Fling, $63. We now you can get into a LG Volt 2 for $66. Bucks. What? Linux.ting.com. Go there and try them out. The Ansatel One Touch Idle 3 is also a great phone for under $200. The original OG Nexus 5, again, a Google Experience phone, unlocked, CDMA or GSM, right on the Ting network for under 200 bucks. You know what we forgot to mention about this? Hmm. All these phones, they're running Linux. That is cool, huh? That is really something. Except for that internet phone right there. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Ah, they're running that thing that uh, Alan likes, though. So you got to give them something, I suppose. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. The Note 5 is, boy, you know, if I was in the market right now and I was, uh, that Note 5 has such a killer camera. And then they just added the S7. You can get these phones also on your own and then add, bring them over to Ting as well. That's one of the best parts about Ting. Linux.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the show. And thanks to you guys who listen and go there because you taking that couple of minutes out of your day keeps the show on the air. Linux.ting.com. Go learn more about them. So let's start with the positive stuff. There is, I think, a pretty nice look coming to Linux Mint 18. This is their new uh, flatter Mint Y theme. Yeah. So Mint X will be the the default theme in Sarah. That's the next release. And Mint Y is going to be this new Arc Mocha-based theme thing. And I think it looks pretty sharp. I think it looks good. I'll give credit where credit is due. I think they're doing a good job. I like the way they're rolling this out. I like all of it. I I do. I like all of it. I want to read you, though, a little verbiage in the introduction of the new theme. And maybe I'm parsing words, but you know, words matter. Because I think they reflect quite a bit. So when Clem was writing about this new theme, we talked about a new theme and we noticed, this is Clem, some of you were also scared of the changes this would introduce. And I, I think the words, using the word scared right there is particularly interesting. I think it reveals a little bit into how he perceives his, his user base. We don't want to change styles just because we think it might look better. We'll provide both styles to you, which I think that's a great way to go. Mm-hmm. Eventually, if the day comes where a huge majority prefer the new theme, then we'll follow that and start using it as a new default. Also, I really like the way he says that. So, I'm, you know, I just want to hear scared, though. I don't know if I – mm-hmm. that almost sounds demeaning a little bit. Uh, and so it goes as we continue on. Linux Mint 18 will also – 
drop multimedia support. No more codecs installations. And it sounds like but mostly because OEMs and magazines wanted the no codecs CD. Mm. And because making two sets of CDs, you know, which, which is multiple, there's multiple SKUs of those, was a lot of work. Instead of just not having a no codex version, they're going to have a... There's, that's the only version. That's the only version, yeah. Right. Um, which leads me to my next and final question before I toss it to you in the mumble room. What the hell's the point of Linux Mint now? Why, what is, that's what are, a good question. Because, you know, when I, I trolled around on the internet and I found a few people uh, that had answers... Uh, before before some of these decisions, one answer was, well, I dislike Unity, and I just want something that's not Unity by default really quick. And this is well before a lot of uh, Ubuntu flavors were yes. established. Um, another common answer, easy ability to play DVDs. Very relevant. Yeah, not super relevant anymore and not hard to fix under Ubuntu anymore. And then this is another common one. Wanting to give Shuttleworth the middle finger for cramming Unity down my throat, but that middle finger has been extended for long enough. And I actually think that last one is very telling. Mm-hmm. People were pissed about Ubuntu. Pissed were, people were pissed about Unity. They were. They were pissed about... I was one of the ones that kind of fled from Ubuntu And you know what? Then. That rage has started to fade. And so there... And now that is no longer a reason to use Mint. And now Ubuntu Mate has taken many reasons away from using Mint. And now last but not least, removing the codex seems like it takes yet another set of reasons. So what's left? Is it an old implementation of Mate? Is it their one-off Cinnamon Island? Is it them not installing security updates? Is it improper web administration? What is the big feature left for using Mint? And you use Mint, so you tell me, Wes. You know, I think uh, I I do have Mint installed, but I don't I don't see myself installing any new Mint. I, I think that it it really was like them removing the codex. It doesn't like that actual loss of value isn't that much these days, but I feel like it's very telling and like it reminds me of why I came to Mint or like why when it was first popular, I was an Ubuntu user. I had friends using Mint and that was like a huge reason for them. It was just, it was Ubuntu, but you know, maybe they liked the interface better and it looked a little better and it wasn't so, you know, Ubuntu. And now, you know, and there's lots of times where it's like, oh, Gnome was changing and Cinnamon or, or before, you know, Linux Mint was a very stable place. It just worked. You had the stuff you need. You could install it anywhere. You knew you had VLC. You could just play whatever you wanted. It was really easy. But these days, Ubuntu isn't hard, and there's so many options. There is Ubuntu Mate, and Linux Mint kind of lags behind as well. Like, there's all this excitement right now about 16.04, and, like, you can get 16.04 Mate right now and have a great experience, but where's Linux Mint 18? We're waiting for that. Yeah, and why are we waiting? Why are we waiting for that? Because it's not like they were pumping out a bunch of intermediary releases. And I also feel like you're right that they are taking on a lot. And it's not like – clearly they do some things well, and I like Cinnamon, and there are parts about it that I will always like. I would argue good. that this is why we're waiting. But this is why we're waiting. And it's also – I don't know that like some of the things they're doing is necessarily what they should be doing. And I worry that – one of the things I always liked about Linux Mint and what you liked about when we reviewed 17.3 is like the attention to the detail, the nice like, oh, the integration with the music. Those are things where like they really do, I think, understand – a certain subset of Linux users and what they want. I think they, they know that. Yeah, those sound like elementary but, OS users. Right. And if they don't focus on that, like the other parts, like, I don't know if, like, yeah. And at the same time, it's like, well, if they, I don't know if I want them making these universal apps when there are also other people making individual apps that maybe have more design experience or app experience or just more experience in general. Yeah, well put, Wes. Uh, anybody in the mumble room want to jump in with their thoughts on the state of Mint? Anybody have a counter take? You're welcome to jump in, too. I'd, be, I'd love to hear that argument. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because to me, it, it's seeming like it's becoming case closed, and I hate to think that way because, you know, Clem and team have worked very hard on this for a long time. Um, I know uh, Ladies Night 62 in there had some similar thoughts. Did you want to jump in? Mr. Knight? No. Hmm. Uh, all right. Well, Popey, I noticed you joined in. I wonder if you wanted to sh- – in the past, you and I have chatted about sort of Mint as an overall contributor and citizen to the open source community. Uh, do you feel like their stance there has begun to catch up with them? Oh, sorry. Take... There you go. Sorry, Bobby. I had you muted like a jerk. I'm sorry. Ooh. <laughs> That's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> jerk. Uh, I uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think the, the whole codec thing is overblown. I think maybe eight years ago, that was a thing. Like... You know, I need my DivX codex. I need my <laughs> codec pack. And yeah, my like the people, the people who ran Windows whatever back then would go hunting down the best codec pack. And oh no, you get the green screen on your video playback, or you get vertical lines, or whatever. Oh, you need the latest codecs. This is 2016, people. You don't need yeah, shonky codecs. I used to pay for mine your... from Fluendo. Remember that? Oh wow! Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's lunacy. It's 2016, right? Codec things are not yeah. an issue now okay. unless you get your shonky video from like off the back of a lorry or something but that's not an issue so i actually don't think it's a big problem that they're stopping distributing a version of the iso that has the codex bundled in i think that's the right thing to do because i don't think legally they, they the probably permi- mm-hmm. yeah I agree. exactly i don't mm-hmm. think they had the permission to do that in the first place and i think this makes them a better upstanding citizen for doing that so i think that's actually the right thing to do but i i i don't see how that's a problem I don't think that's a rock that we need to throw at them. I think there are other things that I would worry about with Mint, but they they have a very wide and I diverse think... user base, and they have a lot of people contributing monetarily to the to the product. Yeah. So I know we have yeah, a lot of fans good, good in the audience. audience. No, I think right, exactly. uh, I think the reason why the codec things come up is because it's sort of like the uh, the temperature in the boiling water just got turned up a lot. And people are like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where does Mint fit in now exactly? For a lot of people, it was, oh, this is how I get my codex. And as, as each one of these different categories gets filled in by either another distro or by their decisions, I think more and more people kind of wake up and go, well, now, wait, wait a minute. And uh, I guess – so I, I guess I'd turn my question back to you. If, if it's not uh, their security practices and sort of um, – forking their own applications and things like that. What is it in your estimation that, uh, I guess put very frankly, Popey, prevents you from installing Mint? Why don't you run Linux Mint? Uh, because I'm one of those perverse people who actually like Unity. And, All right. And so, okay. I, didn't, I, you know, I don't believe and, and you, but no. <laughs> there's, a surprising, there's a surprising number of us out there, you know? Yeah. And despite what everyone might say, and sticking the finger to to Mark, well done. But yeah. actually, there's still a whole lot of us who quite like using this thing. And it hasn't moved a lot in, in years. And it's, you know, you could argue it's stale and it needs a refresh here and there. And fair enough. I, I accept all those arguments. But I, so I it don't just, It's not competitive why... sour grapes, is it? I mean, it's not competitive that he was able to take a, the, that product and then branch off a whole bunch of uh, separate users that found it to be a superior product. Personally, no. I think I think... It's fantastic that someone could take the Ubuntu base and create a derivative distribution that has a huge number of users 
Uh, I'm, I'm not happy about certain things like the, you know, the security model that they have. I've never been a big fan of holding back updates from users, but that's their choice that they've chosen for, for their user base. And their user base seem to be accepting of that. And many of their users, technically inclined users will, uh, defend the position that, that Clem has taken with the way Linux Mint distributes their updates and and makes their their system defaults and that's hmm. fine hmm. and they they have a wide and diverse user base they've got lots of people who give their hard earned cash voluntarily you know it's not a subscription service they voluntarily give their money to to Linux Mint to say thank you to Clem for creating what he's done so he must have done something right for all these people to be using it and for people to give him the money hmm. technically minded folks Technically minded folks, Popey says. So, Wimpy, as a technically minded folk, um, are you are you looking at the X apps as a possibility? I don't know. If people people may not realize Wimpy uh, has a Mate based desktop distribution that he is familiar with, uh, and I'm just curious uh, as somebody who's familiar with the Mate based desktop, are the X apps appealing to you in any way? Um, most of the X apps are stripped down versions of the Mate desktop applications mm-hmm. with the the desktop integration removed and built against GTK3. So Right. So Puma's been recalled to Zed or XED. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Eye of Gnome is now called XViewer. Uh, mm-hmm. XReader is a Trilly. Totem is called XPlayer, et cetera, et cetera. These are the X apps. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and some of those that you've mentioned are the, the Mate yeah. desktop apps. And so Mate has its suite of tools um, and applications and then we found other utilities to fill the gaps for you know media playback and stuff right. so no I, I'm, I'm not going to be using the X apps so what what uh, what is the what what are, what what is the niche they're following filling can you help just in your opinion give me an understanding of that why do I need X player over totem or VLC what's the if I'm if I'm if I'm using these, if I'm using these X apps, I must need this over some. What is it that it's doing exactly? What's it enabling? I think this is more a development-focused decision rather than an end-user-focused decision. By forking these applications, you can choose what toolkit version to target when you build them, and then you have a degree of predictability about how they're going to behave against a targeted toolkit over their two-year period so that wait that just sounds like you're planning for obsolescence you're planning to use old code you're planning to be stale or planning to be predictable you know uh, it's clem's decision and i i think it's a development decision to streamline the development process as much as possible so there aren't going to be any unexpected changes throughout the course of that versions life cycle hmm you know i people have also said the same thing about the way security updates are handled right is that it's it's for the users it's for the end users is it or is it so that way there's not a whole bunch of support issues somewhere in the in between probably it's probably yeah, I, I, not i've never been a fan of the update model in linux mint um so yeah i think i think it's more about not in not introducing change that might introduce support issues. And if you read back through some of the Mint release notes, the words sort of reinforce that mindset that, you know, if it if it's not broken, don't update it. 
Yeah. I suppose. I suppose, like Ike says, is Ike in the? Uh, is he in the mobile room? He should be. No, because like he just said, uh, it, it reminds him of what cinnamon is in general. I suppose that's a good point. Uh, so uh, West Jeff too asked in the chat room. Uh, uh, he says, "Are the X apps just applicable to Mint Mate? Uh, essentially, that's the only place they're going to get used. That's so functionally. No, they're intended know. to be everywhere. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going they're not. the cinnamon version and the Ubuntu version as well. I think sure. maybe not the KDE version. I mean, I don't follow those right um, particularly closely. But why would why would any other project use these? That's, I guess that's what I'm. What am I not understanding about this? It seems like it seems like these would have very, very minimal appeal. I could see Zubuntu using them for a release cycle. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. But I wouldn't. Well, want... I mean, yeah, Zubuntu is still using XFCs, which is still GTK two, so they might have a benefit. But in general, right? Uh, nothing. I guess what I what I, here's where this this sounds like we are we are introducing an, a a very minute level of fragmentation everywhere. When we have Puma and we have Zed and we have G-Edit and we have Kate and we have K-Write and we have Nano and we have Vim and we have Emacs and we have, I mean, the list goes on and on. We have... You're making me dizzy over here, I, So, so it You seems, forgot the Electron stuff, too. What drives, me, yeah, what drives me crazy right now is I could install Ubuntu Mate and I could get one text editor and then I install... Linux Mint Mate, and I get an entirely different text editor, even though I'm choosing the Mate desktop. And as an end user, how the hell am I supposed to keep that straight? Oh, sure, maybe we can keep it straight. I mean, maybe, maybe. Or maybe I will forget it after this episode, and I, can't, I won't be able to remember which distribution has what. I just find it to be... What I find it to be is typical. I find it to be disappointing and typical of the Linux community. This is the typical crap that we do that makes it completely confusing to new users to come to Linux. And you have to be like Leo Laporte and spend three months and have 22 flash drives to try out different distributions. Or you have to be like Find Chase, the one that works. Or you have to be like Chase Nunes and have an entire show built around you deciding which distribution to use because there's so much damn choice. And we, then we sit here and we pat ourselves on the back and we say, good job, everybody. Now we've got choice. Good job. Well, good job, everybody. This is a good one. And it's just, it's ridiculous that we have our text editors. It's our text editors that are this fragmented now. It's just like all this stuff. How many file managers do we need? I know this is an old horse that I don't need to keep kicking, so I'll move on. But it's just disappointing. It is frustrating sometimes, yeah. Absolutely. I guess I saw – here's why I guess I'm kind of upset about it is I guess I sort of saw a point with, with ButterFS and containers and GTK3 and – System D, and everybody now being on a modern Linux 4 kernel, so much of the Linux landscape sort of began to coalesce in a way we that... could have a standard. Linux, well, not even a standard, but a platform that is reasonable and rational to target. We, that was beginning to emerge. A rational target for a developer. A rational target for somebody to build a product around. Something that didn't need something like Android that was something that was, you're, you're, as a product manager, you're able to wrap your head around. Something that just looked nice and simple and uneasy to understand. And here we are now, midway, not even midway into 2016, and it's a total clown show. I, all right. End of rant. I'm just disappointed. Oh. Go ahead and disagree, I please. Is, I don't think this is an example of the clown show. I mean, yeah, the it is it's an excessive amount of applications that really don't need to exist, and it, I don't think anybody has a reason why Mint would do that. 
But that's just an example of a bad decision by one distro. So, like, if someone builds an app image or the snap a snap package or whatever, it it can be spread across a lot of places. Like, app images everywhere. You can run that anywhere you want to. But like, even Snappy is only been has not even been around a month yet, and you can run it on every pretty much every official flavor of Ubuntu you want to. That'll probably be yeah. the best way to install. Uh applications on mint 18 because it's going to be the best thing about mint 18 is it'll be based on 1604 yeah and i think they'll probably they'll probably iron out some of the rough edges that uh noah was going on about again this week on last yeah, pretty soon we're just not gonna have anything to complain about good good i don't like you know people don't like it when i get grumpy they don't like it and i don't like then it either. you have to defend yourself it's a whole thing well and this mint stuff yeah. and this mint stuff in particular has me particularly grumpy so it's it's okay it's all right i'll be all right but I, there's an there's yeah. an interesting benefit of the new 16.04 release is that you know how that the the issue of the GNOME software fork not working with local devs um, it actually uh, brought to light that the new version of apt has a built-in local dev install so you just do sudo apt install and then put the the path to the dev and it just installs it and handles the dependencies hey, 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 hey. and everything that is nice that to is know. nice Good tip. Good tip. Uh, anybody else have thoughts on Mint? Anybody want to take a counter? Because I know we have a lot of Mint fans, and I uh, I say all these things, and then I install Mint, and I, I, I do kind of get it. When Like, that machine right there is running Mint. It's been running Mint since we reviewed it in last. I stay true to my word. I've been running production now for months, um, and it's a rock-solid rig. It really, yeah. I mean... It, it, but I don't do anything with it. I just run, you know, Mumble and web browsers, and that's it, but... Um, That's pretty much my situation as well. So I, when I when I use Mint, I do kind of grok where he's going with it, Clem. I do kind of grok where he's going with it, and mm-hmm. I. But then when I look at it from a broader ecosystem perspective, I get real frustrated. And I, the reason why I particularly have a lot of momentum behind this frustration is, I really feel like they're an important, an important position. Like I got these, I got these. They have a lot of goodwill and you know presence in the Linux community, especially for newcomers, and a lot of attention. Yeah, and I, and I, uh, I mean, I just, I, I feel like we got a little taste of it when that security thing went down. When that security thing mm-hmm. went down, we got a little taste of it, Wes, and uh, I just don't. Dude, want to they're still it. number one on DistroWatch. Yes, of course, of course, they have been for a long time, haven't they? Yeah, it's it's kind of weird how they're they're number one when. Uh, Every version of Mint is actually included all in the same result, and at the same time, they don't even have their own user agents that they press. So, like, how does how does DistroWatch actually pro- get that information? I've actually asked them, and they won't tell me. Like, that's that's um, you know proprietary information. Well, it's based on it's the 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 charts are generated on interest on the DistroWatch site. So, the people that are visiting. The distribution. Right, but they're not saying is it just the actual page or is it a user agent? But like, it can't really be a user agent. So like, how are they getting it? And they said they have like multiple factors they use, but they won't tell me what that was. Yeah, I don't buy that. Every I don't buy that the number one page getting hit on distrowatch.com is Mint Linux. That doesn't seem. I I did, I did just say that as a joke. So just so you know. I know, but it is a thing, and it does get quoted yeah, all the time. Use it all the time. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, as if it's a fact that it's the best because of that. And if you go to any, if you go to any conference and somebody does a talk about Linux distribution share, they always, always, always cite DistroWatch. Always. And I don't. It's like, it, but DistroWatch numbers are just simply reflective of traffic within DistroWatch. So a lot yeah, of people. I think I'll make a. 
make a, a collection of here's what mint has and then here's all the official flavors of Ubuntu and see what the difference is. I would bet it's a massively for the Ubuntu stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. All right. So uh, closing thoughts from the – oh, um, um, uh, night, uh, ladies' night, did you want to jump in with your, yes. uh, your, your mint thoughts before we wrapped up? Because I know you, you were muted earlier. Sure. I, I kind of just agreed with what you guys said. I, I don't personally use Mint. I don't know. At this point, I think in the past they were, you know, really popular and still are popular, but I think they've, um, you know, kind of been replaced or at least there's other distros that, you know, provide the same thing that they're offering. And so they're not unique anymore. Oh, man. Jeez, this is the episode everybody's going to hate because all the Mint listeners are going to listen in and they're going to hate us. I feel really bad about it. So, listen, next week, if you want to do a little follow-up, you are totally welcome, you listener out there, to join us in the mumble room and tell us where we've gotten things wrong. Because I was really hoping somebody in the mumble room would step up and defend Mint because I didn't want it to be a total Mint hate session. That's not hate. It's just we're just questioning what's happening. user experience in the sense of, like, the updates that they have, the structured things, so, like, the one one through five thing. I mean, that's nice for some people. I've got people on Mint that... You know, enjoy that because it's really easy to deal with, and they don't have yep. to worry about something breaking. Yep. And so, I guess there's that. Yeah, the, and 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 speed testing the mirrors, totally solid, really awesome, and going to be completely made irrelevant by snap packages. <laughs> Ubuntu does that as well. Yeah, I think the I don't know. I think the updater and the PPA manager built into Mint are kind of nice. Uh, but I'm I, I'm not joking when I say when we can when we switch over to Snap packages, you won't be using those tools to update your system anymore. So that's a short term win. It's mm-hmm. not, I, I I know. I, sorry, I didn't. I, dang it! I was trying to end on a positive note. Uh, but on the sorry. upside, on the upside, Ooh, there is one positive note. They, mm-hmm. they, one of the releases on the news, they Mint did say that they're going to use um, Mate one point fourteen. And at least, and might even do 1.16. So they're not necessarily staying back on the old versions of Monte. That would be good. Mm. I don't totally see. I for me, and maybe Wimby, can you clear it up for me? I don't understand where the line is with Monte. I don't. For me, I I know there's like a there's one version that's GT more GTK, one version is GTK three, one's GTK two. I don't. What? How do I as a as a sort of a mate observer, a Mate observer? How do I keep it straight? Right. So all of Mate can be built by the distro maintainer against the tool, toolkit that they choose. So there is one version of Mate. The current version is 1.14. You can choose to compile that against GTK2, or you can choose to compile it against GTK3. Some distributions are going to start building it against GTK3 because we now feel that it's ready. And some distributions will continue to build it against GTK2 because they feel it needs a bit longer. I see. Uh, and by some distributions, is it other? Uh, is it Zubuntu and no, not Zubuntu because it's Mate. It's, so it's Linux Mint Mate that's not going to. As I understand it, Linux Mint 18 is going to build Mate against GTK2. Huh. So we're going to have sort of a split. Is what is kind of what I'm seeing here. And I, uh, I I don't understand. I don't I don't I don't quite yeah. understand what the impact of that is. Well, um, I think it will remain to be seen. I think the impact will be that uh, in in the Mate one point one four development cycle, almost exclusively, all of the development effort was focused on GTK three support, improving GTK three support, and some of the components in Mate only build against GTK three now. Hmm. 
subsequent development cycles will continue to be focused on GTK3 with the eventual goal to decommission GTK2 stuff. That's not going to happen in uh, 1.16, probably not in 1.18 because we'll keep it around long enough for people to transition. But the other thing, there's also pressure coming from distributions themselves. So, uh, for example, Arch Linux, Fedora, Debian, all have bugs open about libraries they are seeking to deprecate because they're old and unmaintained right. and they raise bugs against the other software that uses these old deprecated libraries. Right. I would imagine that's just the tip of the iceberg too. Yeah, so so there's been pressure for some time to move Mate to GTK3 so that we can adopt the newer implementations of common libraries. So things like the GTK source view for the editors and stuff, uh, libvte for the terminals. Uh, right. I can't remember all of them, but there's a collection. Um, so we, we can't, we're not being pressured or strong-armed, but there is some gentle pressure to sort of move people along to the newer supported technologies. For example, some of the stuff uh, some of the libraries uh, have security vulnerabilities and aren't maintained anymore. So you have to move to the newer versions of the libraries in order to get to the current version that is being security patched. Hmm. You know what solves that? Hmm. Snappy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I guess, yeah, that was... I got a, I got a tweet that said... Uh, why would you want Matei to go to GTK3? That's the whole point of Matei is to be uh, like GNOME 2 resurrected. And so that sort of explains that. It's, it's mostly there's just a lot of other ecosystem pressures and advantages. So, uh, so re that, realistically. That, that, that point I, I get a lot. So let's just make that absolutely clear. GTK3 is not GNOME 3. A lot of people... Mm -hmm don't seem to be able to unpick those two things. They right. seem to think that GTK3 means that you get some new desktop paradigm. That's not what it means at all. Unless you're um, a really observant Mate user, if you run Mate 1.14 with the default Mate theme, so not the Ubuntu Mate theme, the default theme that we develop in Mate, on GTK2, and you have another VM with it running the GTK3 version, they are almost indistinguishable mm. from one another. Right. We're just talking the toolkit here that the applications are using. Exactly. But the the, the thing that's important about GTK3 and the thing that's most important for me, not personally, but the thing I think is most important is GTK3 opens the gateway to high DPI. Oh, and yes. GTK2 doesn't do that. And the other benefit, and this is a longer-term goal, is GTK3 opens the door to things like Wayland and Mir, and GTK2 right. doesn't. So in order for the traditional desktop to remain relevant, we have to adopt the technologies well, that allow go. us to support the new technology. The light at the end of the tunnel is a fast-approaching train called Wayland. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is that is sort of the bottom line right there, but... See when I and this is where I went off the rails. I think for a lot of people in last, but where because I can't help but come from a security angle, and I think to myself, rationally, all of the money, energy, effort, time is being spent now on GTK three, and so if if you want things that are secure and updated and maintained, you you have to you have to move to GTK three. Do you agree with that assessment, Wimpy? Yeah, I do. Yep. 
And that's where I think, again, I mean, so security isn't just managing your website installation correctly. It isn't just properly verifying ISOs. Security is a layered thing that happens at all Lots layers from, from, from shipping your system with updated secure software that continues to be maintained and updated for security purposes. That is part of a f- responsible secure desktop. It's not. It's Which not just one to thing. Do if you're shipping software to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's good insight, Wimpy. Thank you. I, I was, I was not understanding fully, and I, and I guess the other part I don't fully understand is there are going to be some things that don't work with Mate built against GTK three, which would probably be the biggest reason Clem would have not to use it because he wouldn't want to scare yeah. the users with with features not existing all of a sudden. Yeah. So Mint and Ubuntu Mate are at different points in their release cycle at the moment. Clem is just about to embark on another LTS, effectively what we've just done with Ubuntu 16.04. So he's going to pick stable, tried and true, because that's his shtick. So that's what he's going to go for. I've just entered into the Ubuntu 16.10 development cycle. We've got a solid LTS behind us. Now is the time to break all the toys and to try out all the new stuff sure. and spend the next two years building towards the next LTS. Right. And with regards to what isn't going to work, there are some plugins and extensions for Mate, in particular for the image viewer and Plume of the text editor, that are written in Python and use PyGTK2. That's the underlying library. Mm. PyGTK2 is not simply not compatible with GTK3. Can't be done. So those plugins that are written using those libraries are disabled. In fact, I patched them out. And there's maybe, Mm, I don't know, six or seven of them. And then there are some um, third-party panel applets. So panel applets that aren't maintained by the Mate desktop team that are maintained by community contributors that are currently only targeting GTK2. Now, I've contacted all of the authors of that software and told them that this change is coming and have given them some pointers about how they can either make the transition to GTK3 or how they can dual support both toolkits. So some of that work um, we're going to have to do within the Mate desktop team. Some of that work is going to be on the shoulders of the people that develop and maintain that right. software. Yeah. And what I'm going to try and do is use the the donations that the Ubuntu Mate community have made to Ubuntu Mate to help those uh, developers complete that work over maybe the next year. With the intention, I would assume, to have things sort of shaped up and ready to ship by uh, the next LTS. Yes, that's the idea, yeah. So I think uh, probably Ubuntu Mate 16.10 is going to be a bit of a bumpy release because we are breaking all the toys you know we're, we're all mm. almost Exciting almost going happen. back <laughs> almost going back to sort of square one and starting again with a new toolkit now it's not quite square one because we've le- learned sure. an awful lot in the last two years and yeah. developed a lot of integration pieces that w- we will be able to carry through um, because everything that i've worked on in ubuntu mate in the last two years has been gtk3 so that's all you know um, good to go mm-hmm. so i i just wanted a point of clarification uh so your patrons uh got an update from you uh and where you talked a little bit about 
collaborating a lot more with the Fedora project, that's a hell of a tease. I mean, uh, do you understand that you are a Linux distro and uh, they are a Linux distro? And uh, these kinds of things just aren't done. Yeah, you're not supposed to. I, I, you're supposed to create your own applications with your own theme and uh, your own release cycles. This I don't understand. Could, is there any clarifications? Because my world is spinning. What does Ubuntu Mate working closely with the Fedora project mean? I'm lost. Well, well, Mate Desktop in itself is made up. The team members are made up of a cross-distribution group of people. So Debian, Ubuntu, Fedora, Slackware, Arch, um, uh, BSD. There's a there's a whole range of people working on different distributions but working towards making the Mate desktop work in those distributions. It just so happens that the Ubuntu and Fedora release cycles are very closely aligned with one another. I know we joke about, you know, Fedora delaying and what have you, but despite <laughs> that, you know, within a few close weeks, enough. within a few weeks, they're very close to one another. So Wolfgang Albrick, who's a Mate desktop developer, and is also the maintainer for Mate in Fedora. He is a highly skilled theme developer for GTK2 and GTK3. Uh-huh. He does all of the theme maintainership for the Mate themes that we ship as part of the Mate upstream project. Awesome. But he has helped out other distributions and other spins of Fedora that are now using versions of the Mate themes in Fedora and other distributions because it's about the best GTK 3.20 theme implementation you can get outside of what comes from GNOME. And it's got that dual theming for GTK 2 and GTK 3. Yeah. So he's very experienced and highly skilled and I don't know that theming stuff particularly well. So I'm going to be working with Wolfgang to build on his skill and experience to bring that work into the Ubuntu Mate themes for Mate. But more importantly, I've spoken to some of the developers for Ubuntu and we're going to try and then, because the Mate themes, the Ubuntu Mate themes are very, very closely linked to... uh, the versions, the the Ubuntu light themes that, you know, ambience and radiance and what have you. And I'm going to try and see if we can give back some merge proposals from the Ubuntu Mate themes back to upstream Ubuntu so that they get the GTK 3.20 support in the Ubuntu themes. And so it's actually going to be a sort of um, Ubuntu, Ubuntu, Mate, Fedora, sort of cross-collaboration effort to sort of bring everything up to GTK 3.20. That's really cool. Yeah. So uh, now just uh, real talk, Wimpy, just you and me, nobody else is here just for a moment. Uh, you think Unity 8 is going to be a, just a boon for uh, Ubuntu Mate Edition? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was oh, come on. I was trying to be – you must say yes. <laughs> um, no, because um, – Mark Shuttleworth made it clear some years ago that there wouldn't be a switch to Unity 8 uh, unless the community wanted it. You know, uh, uh, when the community was ready for that transition, then that's when it would happen. And until that happens, there's Unity 7. And as we've discussed earlier, there's an awful lot of people that like and use Unity 7. Mm-hmm. So Hello! they've got their, they've got their <laughs> safe harbor. Yeah. You know, so, you know here's, uh, what, here's my response to that, which is, 
uh, in, uh, which is completely unjustified and based in no reality or fact and does not represent the present at all. So that's my disclaimer before I say this. Uh, because Popey's world is the reality right now, where there's people out there using Unity, and gall darn it, they love it. Getting their job done. A lot of these are probably like people that got computers put in front of them, you know, like uh, like the millions of Dells that got deployed in, in, in all these different places. Uh, I, I, I have a dream. I have a vision that the next wave of Linux users are exhausted Mac users and exhausted Windows users. And I believe that's not going to come in a huge, huge, huge shift. I believe it's just going to be a ramp that continues to accelerate up and up and up. More people will be exasperated two, by five, Apple. Ten. And I could – the list of why you as, – as somebody who has to be – who has a couple of Macs left in production and, and has to deal with their limitations, I promise you, while they are great machines for, for, for way more people than there are Linux users and will be for a really long time. For, for a certain audience, the exact kind of audience that Linux is appealing to, they are extremely frustrating. And there is a huge percentage that will be a massive growth for Linux coming over from them, from Windows 10 users, especially as SteamOS grows and games are more and more supported on Linux. There is going to be a new wave, I believe, of Linux users. And it's not all at once, like I said, but ramping up. And they will be making an educated choice. And I... I I, you know what? I'll give it to him. I, I, I have given the man a hard time for a long time. It's for people who like to mess with computers. But I actually That's think me. Leo legitimately represents the cutting wave of tech enthusiasts. People who are, and I know I'm saying this about somebody who is, by most people's account, now a little out of date. But I actually think he's on to something here. He, he today, today is experimenting with Debian on his, his uh, Google Pixel. And you know he's talking about getting the That's external. Cool. Yeah, and he's talking about how the happy. trackpad works and all. I mean, he is legitimately all in on this, and I think he represents somebody. I think Chase does as well. Mm-hmm. Somebody who who is actually educated on this stuff and enjoys computers and is enthusiastic about hardware, is enthusiastic about software, wants to use their computer to its fullest. Windows and the Mac no longer offer this, and they will not – and that is – this is just the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. It's just going to get worse, and I think these people will be coming to Linux, and I, I don't think a, a desktop environment that looks like it was designed eight years ago by a company that's put it on life support will be appealing to a lot of these people. I think some of them will choose Unity, but I think for most of them, Unity 7 will look like yesterday's game, and I think Unity 8 – won't be ready yet. So for most of them, they're just going to go with something easy, practical, boom, and works. What do you think? Mm. You think I'm crazy? No. I, I, I'm I not sure how many Mac users are going to be brought over because they've paid a premium for that whole Apple experience. There is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I, I think I think, think I... only It will only be potentially developers that have got Mac hardware that would be right. prepared to make that switch, I go. think. But I that is think. literally that's fair enough. I, I, I realise that's a yeah, but I, th- I and, and certainly anecdotally, I don't see that many people switching to Ubuntu Mate that are using Mac hardware unless it's quite old Mac hardware, yep. and they're looking to extend the life of their computer. Because the version of Mac OS ten that they can run on their machine is no, you you know, know, Wimpy. I'll tell you about the I'll tell you about the Mac user that I'm picturing. I'm picturing a Mac user that buys a ThinkPad. I'm picturing a Mac user that buys uh, an Entraware Apollo. 
because part of becoming a frustrated Mac user is becoming frustrated mm. with the hardware options because literally the worst thing Apple has going for it right now is its hardware. It has it, it, all of the graphics cards in all Macs are an absolute and total joke. All of the storage options are a total joke in terms yep. of cost. They uh, and they have been doing nothing with the MacBook line. The Mac Mini hasn't been updated in two hundred years. The trash can <laughs> has a video card that's now three generations at least uh. out of date. I mean, the Mac hardware is in a bad state, and so I think one of the number one thing I I think it's well built. I think it lasted a long it's time. Still pretty. Uh, and I think there should be more attention, energy, and effort spent on making Linux work just super well on Mac hardware, including figuring out the SMC controller so we can manage thermals. I think that would be a, a huge thing to get more people. But I don't think it's a number one priority because I think this type of user just gets sick and tired of it. You, they go out there and they look what they can buy in a ThinkPad or an Apollo for $1,000 less – and they mm. think, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna switch. And then they don't drop the Mac; they keep the Mac around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, some people have, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you are right that, that there are Mac users out there who will make a switch. I'm not sure they're the majority of Mac users. I think disgruntled Windows users is is a larger um, potential market. And in the last, I don't know, three or four years. Microsoft have dropped the ball a couple of times when it, if Linux or a major Linux distribution was more ready to absorb those disgruntled Windows users, I think we could have seen more people coming over. Mm -hmm. So there are choices. There is Linux Mint and there is Ubuntu Mate and there is Ubuntu Proper. So I'll, um, just as a as another anecdote, and and I don't know, I this is one of the things I love about our lug. But uh, so uh, my lady friend Hadia has uh, her own practice that she runs a business, and she right. has a couple of computers there. And so she she has a Lenovo that runs uh, Ubuntu Mate uh, um, fourteen. Uh, I can't actually remember which one it runs. But it's, it's a, I hope she pays someone else for IT. Oh no, Chris. no, I do remember. It's fifteen. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's fifteen ten actually. It's fifteen ten. And uh, Wimpy, she has been so impressed with it that the other computers in her office, which run Windows Seven, she's just been offended by the whole prompts to upgrade to Windows Ten the whole time and interrupting her and and all of that. That she just wants to replace all of them with. Uh, she's looking at uh, what is she. Uh, I think they're called uh, HP Stream. Is that something? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah? She's looking at HP Streams and wants to know if I'll install uh, Ubuntu Mate on them for and just replace the other and terminals. How does that make you feel? Chris? Well, I think it's amazing, and it's not even prompted by me at all. It's just that she's like, "Well, this has been problem free on my laptop," and it's she's now using her personal laptop uh, to do like data entry sometimes, and she's like, right. "So I'm that's, I, now I made this my work machine, and now I want to put all my work machines on Linux." And, you know, the security just happens to be another Man, benefit. Especially if you're someone like that where you can kind of control all of your business stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, then you can just go wholeheartedly to Linux yeah. and it would just works great. It was interesting. She went, like, she went from, like, this is my personal computer that I write on to, well, now this is my work computer and I keep it at work because I like working on Linux more. And yeah. I, I think what, what I found interesting about that is she's not doing it from an advocate's position. She's doing it from a practical decision for her business, business owner yeah. yeah and that yeah. is also a huge area for a very practical desktop like mate mm -hmm. unity would be fine too but for her the transition over to mate is literally like no transition Welcome at all screen yeah uh, just yeah and what 
what you've just described is consistent with what I've learned talking to small business owners in my local community. There's a, a frightening amount of small businesses, you know, that are, you know, one or two or three employees, um, so home homegrown businesses, that are still running their operation on Windows XP. Some of the companies I've spoken to have actually bought new computers a couple of years ago, but don't have the wherewithal to ma- make the transition from one Windows computer to the next Windows computer. Right. Don't really understand it. Um, and they need people to come in and actually help them do those transitions. But when you look at what they're using, they're not you know, using a lot of the facilities of Windows. A lot of them are very disgruntled with Windows because they buy a new computer. They expect it to be faster than their old computer, and invariably it isn't because they're buying budget computers <laughs> yes, running a, a yes. modern version of Windows yes. and it's actually slower than their old computer. The number of people unhappy that's running with Windows, Windows XP. It's mm. just amazing, surprising and, and amazing to me. Uh, so a lot of small business owners I hear are really cheesed off with Windows and they really want to make the switch. And what people know about, that the, the, when they, they start researching, they find two things. They find either Mac OS X, which is quite often um, economically not viable, or they find Ubuntu. Um, And those are the two things that these businesses find. So when I talk to people, they've found out about Ubuntu, and then I start the conversation about, well, you know, if you're familiar with Windows and you want to use a computer in a way that's familiar to you, you could use this. But if you want to, you know, use this version, then it works slightly differently, and this is how it looks, and I sort of explain those differences. But... There's a lot of local businesses around here that are making the switch to um Do you find people are doing Linux. more research about this than they used to? Yeah, and the other thing I found I am too, is that I'm they're actually that. Mm. they're actually trying to find local companies who can support them running Linux. And I'm struggling to find people that can do that in my local area. So I'm in Hampshire in the UK, so if you're listening to this and you're in Hampshire in the UK and you offer Linux support services, let me know because I'll hand out your business details to these people <laughs> Fine, Wimpy. when I speak to them. <laughs> Tell him. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. That I, We totally went off on a sidebar, but I think it's interesting that our two experiences have lined up. So <clears throat> there is a, a business group that I have attended uh, several times uh, that's just uh, local businesses, and so everybody – you can all, so the way this business group works is only one person from each profession can go there. And oh, uh, Hadia is the one that introduced me to it. And so they have like uh, – What's that? So it's like, it's like is a it, – Is it called BNI? N- no. No, that sounds like uh, – that That sounds like a dirty thing you do. I, come on, Ron. Come <laughs> get on. out of here, Ron. No, that's <laughs> Business Networking International. Come on, expect, Ron. That is... They have the exact same model. Okay, because for a second there, I – Okay, for a second. Get it out of True, here. it does yeah. sound weird. Uh, and uh, yeah, they have like you know a web developer in the group, and the web developer uses Linux, mm. uh, and you know he talks about it sometimes at the group, and it's very That's fascinating great. to see like different people who uh, just get into now looking into something a little bit further than they used to in the past. It felt like people would just take the PC and whatever it came with, but something about and I think I'm not saying it's a big, I'm not saying like it's like this huge movement. But I think in part for some people, like the Windows 10 prompting to get you to upgrade and the way Microsoft has handled this has really pissed off a lot of business owners who the one thing they want out of their PCs 
is they want predictability. That is an effing tool. I pay my staff to do their work here, not mess with the computer, and that thing needs to work I mean, the way the I expect them. It's the same as a copy. You just want it to work. You bought it to work, right. and it just sits there and it does right. the thing you want and it to tell, do. And I can tell you as somebody who used to fix business machines uh, for his living as a contractor, I bore the brunt of the anger from the business owner when that effing computer wasn't working. And he wanted to understand why it wasn't working as a damn tool because he spent $600 or something like that on it. Uh, so th- the idea now that some people – and I, I wimpy – I don't want don't to make a big deal out of this, but do you find there – do you find it to be people that are maybe in their 30s and 40s that are now business owners that are just sort of more of an internet savvy generation? Because that was my experience yeah. is that these yeah. people are, are just now getting a generation of people that are getting to be business owners that know how to use Google. <laughs> right. And, and have also – have also been using Windows for 15 years or more in some cases and are really sick to the back teeth with it. Really, really mm-hmm. ready for change. I hear those words quite frequently that they're ready for a change. Yeah. And and it's really because they just, they're at their wits end. They feel that any change can't be worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, so uh, that was a bit of a sidebar, but uh, I want to keep going on. I want to give a special mention to one of our favorite open source projects who's doing a Kickstarter right now. Uh, but first, I'm going to give a real special mention to Linux Academy. Go to yeah, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to support the show and get yourself a discount. $9 for the first 30 days over at Linux that Academy. Is such a deal. Holy smokes, man. you got to check them out. They have so many great self-paced courses, 2,389 as of this here recording. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. they got downloadable comprehensive study guides. they got a whole bunch of distros you can choose from that automatically adjust the courseware and the virtual machines that they'll spin up on demand and give you SSH access. I think what I like about Linux Academy, though, the most isn't their killer, 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 killer dashboard that really helped me quantify how long it takes to do certain things into into just hours. I mean, that was great. But what I really like about it is the people that run Linux Academy. Uh, I started communicating with Linux Academy way before they were ever a sponsor. Really? I've never told this story. Uh, Linux Unplugged special, folks. Yeah. uh, I should tell this story because it tells you really more about Linux Academy as a company. Uh, We started talking to Linux Academy before we announced How to Linux, however long ago that was, to the public uh, as a way to try to figure out how to amp up our show segments. Like, here's something you could do to spin up a server, but if you want to know more, go do this. And then we were going to replicate, essentially, the exact steps you could follow that we did on the show in their virtual environment. And then they would take it up from there and take you to nice. take, you know, do more things. And this is when they were just experimenting with the technology because they, were, they really came from an angle of how can we show more people in the community at large how to use Linux properly. Right. And like even people who are self-taught or people who want to get into it to help support it for small businesses or for their company or for whatever, or people that just you know want to make a buck off it and build off the technology around Linux and maybe properly use those things. And that's everything from Amazon Web Services to Android to OpenStack and Ruby on Rails and PHP like, develop, like all the technology around it to like how to use that properly, right? And, and that properly, it's like a big you – can, you can learn a lot of like from a lot of places how to like – do a basic configuration, get it working on one machine. But like, <laughs> if you have to suddenly support like fifty or five hundred machines, then Linux Academy is really what you need. 
Man, the thing that's great about Linux Academy too is like when you got to go into a whole new world that is like it feels like a different language and a different way of thinking about things. The fact that they can break down like getting through that barrier into amount of time for me, and the fact that they have an availability planner where I'll go say, okay, I've got this much time this week, which is often not much, much. and they still manage to make it worth my time. And you learn something. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplug. They got detailed notes. They got practice exams. They got instructor mentoring when you need it. And they got a community stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. A big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program now. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go there, support the show, and find out more. So, Carita is an application we talk about a lot. Uh, <clears throat> Carita. Mr. Westra, you are in the uh, mumble room. So, so I don't make a jerk face out of myself. Uh, how do I properly describe what type of application Carita is? It's a drawing app, but that seems like calling it like that sounds like paint. I mean, it's way more than a drawing app. What is, what is Carita, and and can you and how do you use it? Westra, go. I don't hear. Did he, did he leave? That was such a good buildup. Did you like my buildup? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I felt like that was. <clears throat> I felt like I could tweet that buildup. I could tweet that. That was so good. I almost wish I could play it back immediately and hear my own buildup. I enjoyed that so much. I enjoyed it so much. I would just play the creative video that would tell yeah, you. Let's do it. Uh, but you know what? All they have is music. You know. You remember a couple of weeks ago when I said you need to have music. And I said, here's an example of like a little tune you could play mm, to jazz, jazz up your jazz it up. Yeah, you just give it a little oomph. You could you know, you can talk about anything when you got this play. Oh, yeah, sluts. I'll I will i will buy whatever you're selling. Well, the Creta project took that they took that too far. So everybody, if you're if you're watching the show, close your eyes for a second. I want you to experience the show like our vast audio audience does. Uh, because if you think about it from that perspective, this has got to be one of the worst Kickstarter project videos ever. So imagine you're listening to the show if you're watching right now. Almost an opposite of what we often do. So if you are watching the show, you're at a disadvantage. Close your eyes and listen. This video is going to tell you all about this creative Kickstarter. I think you get the idea. That's uh, that's why I'm saying not a not a great not a great Kickstarter video to uh, describe what the <laughs> I'm just here's why I'm not. I, I sound like I'm being a jerk, but what I'm doing is I'm giving away consulting services uh, instead of charging you a hundred bucks an hour. I'm just giving this away for free right here. So if create a project, if you're listening, voiceovers. Um, <clears throat> you know who's got a great voice? That Popey guy's got a great voice. I secretly use Arch Linux. I mean, I know he's busy. But I would just like you know maybe tweet. He's probably him. ready to secretly use Krita as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. might be ready to secretly use Krita, so just poke him and say, "Hey, Popey, would you?" Uh, <laughs> in fact, if all the Kickstarter projects out there would just tweet Popey and ask him, he would do the voiceover. 
Stop it, Wes. You're making it hard for me to say it. I just think that would be a really good idea. Uh, so anyways, uh, back on track. The Creative Project, uh, Creative 2016, Let's Make Text and Vector Art Awesome. It's got 317 backers. A noble goal. I mean, yeah. it's already a great program. They've got uh, a goal of $34,215. They've only raised 11907 at the moment, but they have 28 days to go. So uh, you can go over there and uh, find out more about it. <clears throat> I think it'd be pretty cool. They'll support support SVGs now. Yeah, I'm really excited. Inkscape. Uh, uh, I agree. Yeah, and look, Wes, they are distributing an app image, which is fascinating. Look, oh, they, cool. Yeah, they have one here for CentOS six and Ubuntu twelve oh four. Ubuntu twelve oh four. What is that about? And then they just have a general app image. Hey, so. everyone, all the cool kids are still on Ubuntu 1204, Chris. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I wonder if anybody – Upstart. If... Mm. Uh, so create a project uh, trying to raise a little bit of funds. Wes, your thoughts – actually, this is really kind of what I would talk about. What do you think about the idea of booster funding? Uh, so you got a project – They're doing and... it like they're kind of doing it in their own way. It's, yeah, about once a year. Seems to be working though. Once a year you raise about $30,000, $40,000 let's say. Uh, the idea that an open source project could once a year come out and say, hey, would you mind funding us? Uh, this is what we'd like to accomplish this year. I kind of seem like that, that seems like kind of a solid idea. It does seem like a good idea. I, I mean, I'm especially a- if you, I, I mean, I agree the video could be better, but if you lay out like this, like a good set of achievable goals, and once you get a good track record of like meeting those goals, right? Which they have. I mean, they've improved their program a lot. I could see myself as someone who uses Creta and wants. Want some of these vector capabilities yeah. in a program I know. See, I would even, pay for that. Even as somebody who's now been burned by a couple of different uh, fundraisers, I feel like uh, there's a couple of Kickstarters that are going to deliver. Like it, it, when Pebble comes to Kickstarter and they say, you know, you fund us yeah. and we'll ship a round watch, I, I actually, even if I'm not interested <laughs> in that product, I believe they're going to do it. Yeah. I know they're going to deliver on that. Karina, this, is, this isn't their first time uh, at doing this. And if they come and say, you fund us and we're going to fund 2016, I buy that. And I could see I, other other ways. I mean, there, we've talked a lot about Patreon, but I could see this as a solid way. So I don't know. I'm curious uh, what you guys think uh, in the uh, in the mumble room. Does anybody anybody have a counter about ki- using Kickstarter to fund open source, like a project that goes to the well about once a year and asks for funding? Says hello, everybody. We would like funding. Anybody? Uh, what do you think about? It seems that? to work for uh, NPR. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like a, like a pledge drive. Mm-hmm. Huh. That is a good point, Wes. That is a good point. But if anything, less annoying. Yeah, they are super annoying, aren't they? That's why it seems – and also it seems um, – you know, now that I think about this, it actually seems like a really horrible idea. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I could see what it, what it, what it creates is – Oh, Python scripting plugin. That sounds cool. Maybe I'll just – I don't even use it, but maybe I'll give them some money. That sounds great. I actually think this is a horrible idea. I think it creates sort of a, a false deadline to have to hit and, and certain things you have to do that maybe you commit to that you get to down the at the end of the year and you're like, this is not what we should have been spending our time on or this is not what we can spend our time on. Then all of a sudden you're not delivering on your Kickstarter. So perhaps as uh, Zeke the Penguin is saying uh, Patreon's a better way? That seems like a more sustainable method because then yeah. you're not trying to uh, do you a big splash. Yeah. And it's a, you know it reminds me of like the Apple keynotes where they have to have a product announcement uh, every WWDC. Even if it isn't a real product. Yeah. <laughs> even if it's yeah. even if it's just another Apple TV that's a little thicker or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I actually don't know if I I actually I actually bounty 
And, and Alex Vada asks about Bounty Source, and boy, the elementary OS guys will sure tell you Bounty Source. Bounty Source, $15,000 Bounty Source. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I'm not seeing it. I I decided to put my money where my mouth was, and I gave, I think, like 100 bucks or something like that to the elementary OS Bounty Source. I, I don't know what happened to that. And I tell you what else, uh, I, I, I think... If Bounty Source was going to be a success, it would have happened by now. It's been around for ages, and it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I see developers go on and off it. The elementary OS, though, seems to use it to some success, but it doesn't seem to be a big thing. Just like Flatter hasn't become a big thing, and Bit Tipping hasn't become a big thing, and YouTube Tips haven't become a big thing. It's, mm. it's, it's, there's just a certain resistance oh, yeah, to flatter. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, Rotten, you had a discussion with someone at Creta about Patreon. How did that go? Uh, I, they they were saying that they didn't they couldn't think of any rewards. That's why they haven't tried it. So I gave them examples of what they could do, and they said after the Kickstarter they're going to look into starting a Patreon. Yeah, I'll tell you the rewards are the real son of a bitch because uh, and we've missed them on on all of ours, and we're re- we're reworking ours right now. That's funny too because like as a person who uses Patreon for other things. I don't care about the rewards. I just want to give the people money. That's the thing. And so, but as creators, we get like super mental about these rewards right. and like, like, like they're like this big psychological thing. Uh, and, and the reality is then you want to make, you want to make them worth something. So you, so you, you, you aim big, but the reality is you're so damn busy just working Doing on the, the everyday thing. product right. that you, if you had time to go off and do these big side projects, you'd, you'd have, have a second business already. And, and that's the, di- and that is something I struggle with. Like I, like with Unfilter right now, I'm struggling with that. Like uh, we have something we're ready to roll out for our Unfilter supporters and it's just, I'm so the the unfilter news cycle is so crazy right now. I'm so busy doing the show. I don't have time to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Just like the, with with the way Patreon.com/slash today. By the way, go fund our network because holy smokes, uh, we are so slammed right now. It is it, it's starting to feel like we're we're barely treading water. Uh, there's so many things. There's so many things I am turning down right now. Uh, there's it's just it's it's rough out there and. I, I honestly think this is a more sustainable method than the Kickstarter sort of boop, boop, boop every year. Mm-hmm. And the milestone things is a really difficult thing. So, Rotten, tell them tell them just be well, easy I on themselves. I did find a good, ex- a good example. I showed them examples of, of projects that are currently running Patreon that don't have that very good res- rewards or even any at all. And then I showed them an example of a good project that has uh, pretty well thought out rewards, even though it's a software product. And it's also... Um, even some of the rewards are funny, uh, and that's Ubuntu Mate. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I'll tell you. From my experience, too, uh, so let's see how many people. We have 578 people. Okay, <clears throat> so there's 500. That's awesome. Wow, thank you. 578 people over at patreon.com slash today. Yeah. That, man, that feels really good, and that is, that is, that is really a super cool. So uh, let me look through here to find the last time I did uh, an exclusive. Okay, perfect example. For episode 143 of Unplugged, so last week's episode, I published a complete live stream version of the show from the moment we went on the air to the moment we ended, like stuff that didn't go in the final edit. That's right. Yeah. Naughty Chris. Right. Uh, So I said there's 578 patrons. 80 people watched that. So I guess what I would say to those open source projects out there that are looking at Patreon as a funding model don't kill yourself over the rewards because I work my butt off sometimes and then out of 578 people, 80 people watch the thing. 
and that's that is just the reality of it because what they really want is the thing you're already doing. That's why they're supporting yep. you. Right. Which, if you think about it, is super rewarding. That's like that's the, the coolest part. Yeah. That is exactly the coolest part. So don't kill yourself on the rewards, but try to deliver on what you commit to, which is what I struggle with. <laughs> but do, do your best. Do your best. Do your damn best. Uh, which we were reviewing our our uh, milestones, by the way, on the uh, Patreon. Yeah. We have exceeded some of them. I wonder if anybody has noticed, but there's some things we've done recently that exceed some. We're we're what? kicking ass. But anyways, <clears throat> to the creator project and others. I would I would just as my experience would go and this reflects not just the Patreon for today. This also it reflects my experience with the unfilter. Uh, right. Uh, the same thing. Like I, I, Double I, dipping. I, I stopped producing a separate show for the patrons because that was good content that the rest of the audience could benefit from. And 30 or 40, 60 people were downloading it uh, on the on, from the supporters out of, you know, way more than that. We have way more than that that support the show. So I like over four, well over 400 people that support the show and 30 or 40 of them would download the extra That's show that cool. I was staying till midnight to edit and produce and oh. upload. So it just didn't make sense. Uh, so I scaled it back, but I'm trying now, I'm trying to come up to another area that still gives them value. And that's still a really tight line to walk. And mm-hmm. so you got to find it and do it. But I would say to the creative project, it could be something as simple as um, every now and then doing a Google Hangout with your community and chatting yeah. with them and just answering questions. It doesn't have to be a big to-do. That's a great idea. Now, we get to go a little fancy because over the years we've established like swag partners and stuff like that. So for us, we can do swag levels and things like that. But you don't have to do that stuff. You don't have to go that far. You can you can just connect with your community or spend an afternoon in the IRC room. Mm-hmm. Like don't even, don't even have to do a hangout. Like it doesn't have to be super complicated stuff. And I think the reason why I want to mention Patreon is – It is fundamentally rewarding to be working for your audience and not for somebody who's sponsoring you or giving you money. Now, we still make more money from our sponsors than we do from our Patreon. But if I had if I had one goal in 2016, it would be to flop that now. Right. That, that would be hard. But, uh, it, you know, having now created shows – and this is, I think, got to be the same thing when creating software – Having created shows from the from the perspective of what's the best way to sponsor this in a like how do we format this so a sponsor fits in here versus how do I format this so my patrons like it? That's totally and, different. And the questions I answer and the ideas I come up with are really different when I'm starting from those two different premises. And I think it's got to be the same for people who create software. And so I think it not only does it benefit the creator, but I think it ultimately greatly benefits the end user for having that model. There you go. That's my thoughts on it. Well said. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh see one I told you 144, lucky 144. A lot of different uh paths. But in the meantime, Creator Project is still uh, seeking funding on their Kickstarter and check would, them out. It would be really nice to see them. I mean, if this is how they're choosing to do it, it would be really nice to see them be successful because we have uh, more and more these days sort of these iconic open source applications that are absolutely competitive with closed source solutions or as competitive they as they deserve need to our be. support. And they do. And this is one of them. And uh, if you have the money to spare, hey, look, they just gained another one. If you have the money to spare, check them out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Show notes or just go search for Korea 2016 on the Kickstarter. I was going to have Mr. Wester talk about it because he does, uh, he does uh, like commissioned artwork and stuff, and I'm pretty sure he uses Korea. 
So he That's that. awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Mumble Room, this is your last chance before we go. I secretly use Arch Linux. Oh, okay, great. Well, there was the input from Popey. We no needed. one asked, but... No, yeah, uh, he just likes to mention it, though. That, that does sound like an Archie, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. If you want to join us live, go to jvlive.tv. <laughs> That's so true. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar for when we do this S live. Uh, my son said, Dad, why do you say S? I say S now in real life. It's You're just, so polite. I can't. It's these damn shows. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact. Also, LinuxActionShow.reddit.com for feedback, topic ideas, things like that. We'd love to have you live and join us in our virtual lug next week. Won't you join us, neighbor? See you right back here next Tuesday. All right, hit it, everybody! Man, did you notice how Noah totally blew the uh, starting the titles? That's super embarrassing. Why doesn't he do those things? Why I don't is... know. I don't know. I guess he's probably doing stuff. Anyways, thank you, Mumble Room. Great discussion today. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, hey, look. Angie says she updated the Patreon. Oh, boy. I'll check that out. Oh, what's going on over there? Anyways, uh, Mumble Room, I love you. Thank you for being here. There we go. Look at that. That is that is fancy looking. <laughs> somebody, somebody say something because we haven't heard you for like five minutes. There we go. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a good show. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now now I'm off of it. I, I, I feel like actually it was actually very good. I got it out there. I got my concerns on the record. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing else to on. say. We can move on. I really feel like that is the case. Like there, I've, I've said what I need to say. There was just a lot in the air that needed to be. Well, I actually what I realized was going on is I have I have been doing more and more self-censoring lately. Because I got it in my head from this show that people don't like it when I complain. And so I have stopped complaining. And I got it. I I just I have been observing things about different projects and different things. And I've just haven't been voicing my concerns Mm -hmm. because people don't like it when Chris complains. So I stopped complaining. And we had a whole bunch of happy shows and everybody's great and everything. But then you know what? Turns out, no, I feel a little righteous because I think I'm right about this. And I do want to talk about it. And so uh, I think I just crossed that line. And now the problem is the floodgates opened. And now I want to complain about – Let's see wanna, how far we go. I want to complain about Anaconda being crap and getting screwed up every single damn <laughs> yep. release. Mm-hmm. I want to complain about Unity looking like it's last year's game. I want to complain about every single thing. <sighs> yeah. That's all show so that's content, what, baby. That's Agreed. what happens. I love your rants. That's what happens when I hold it all in. I hold it in because now nobody likes – nobody wants grumpy Chris. Well, guess what? Now now, now guess what? <laughs> you know, maybe it's – Are you saying everybody hates Chris? No. You know what I think it is? is I, <laughs> I think what it is is a conspiracy by the lawn maintenance community. I'm, ha- I'm having the worst luck during the right. weekdays. I really am. I'm, it's actually making me think about like – 
Well, there's two options: is either I get that window taken out and that wall reinsulated, which seems crazy, or we move. Right. And the window's well, nice in the summer when it's you know. I just don't know. I mean, I like how many how many weeks in a row am I going to sit here and bitch about? The lawn mower, and like, the... here's what's really sort of alarming about it, and this is really what gets me is, I wouldn't, I I could make this mistake again because if I came here and looked at the amount of yard here, I would go, oh, this they'll have they'll do this once a month and they'll be here for two three hours and they'll be done, mm-hmm. and the whole thing the whole place will be done. I would never have thought it would be three days a week every week because there's just literally there's no yard here. There's, no, there's really not. There's like nothing. Yeah. <sighs> well, I did kind of, sh- I did kind of shout during tech snap last week, and I think the guy heard me. Oh snap! Mm-hmm. Tech snap that is. And uh, you can hear it. You can hear it just a little bit, but you also you have to be listening because you only hear it while my face is making noise. As soon as my face stops making noise, our system cuts it out. It's uh, system. So that's why you're not hearing it. But you, but so here is the problem: is I hear it all the time. I constantly hear it, and so it distracts me. And I'm and then Rikai will edit the show, and then he'll play it for Chris, and Chris will hear it again. Yes, he'll he'll criticize Rikai unfairly. I do do listen to the shows on playback. I'm like, fuck, you can't hear it. Chat room says you can't hear it. I can sure as shit hear it. (laughs) (laughs) That actually happens. Need more soundproofing. (laughs) Oh, it's so frustrating. Like if you guys look in here, if you look, you can you can barely see up in the corner of that shot. The ceiling is even insulated. I just have up there. There is sound insulation. We are surrounded in sound insulation. The all of the walls have that on it. All of it, and still yet, it is the, the, the weaponized lawn equipment is what it is, and it it is the bane. I mean, boy, I can really hear that. No regard for anyone else's sound space. <sighs> I think you noise. Know, it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it might be cheaper to just buy your neighbor the uh, electric lawnmower. Yeah, I'm never convinced. So it's oh. here's what it is too, right? Is it's uh, it's it's a cu- it's a couple of things. It's uh, it's the yard, the grounds, I should say, the grounds. And when I say grounds, I mean there are patches of greenish, mostly brown grass between cement. Um, and then there are people's yards. And when I say yard, I mean something that's about seven by seven, maybe seven by six. I mean they're very small yards, like you know. But not even large enough to have like a gazebo in it or it, they're small yards. They're very small yards. And so what you have is a collection of tiny, small public shared spaces, which are maintained by aggressive contractors who milk this <laughs> that milk this little housing community for everything. And then you have these very strictly enforced yard rules so that way everybody's tiny brown yards are uh, up to standard or else you get fined sixty dollars. And so everybody has so and because nobody's on the same schedule, there's just enough people here taking care of all of their tiny little brown patches of ugly ground at different times that it seems to impact all of my shows. Even, like, on Sundays. Or, like, I'm here on an off hour. It's, right. I shouldn't get this upset about this, but I, I, it's like... 60 I, bucks. Yikes. I... You move into a place, you you, and here's the thing, too. Okay, so just... And then I'm done, and this is why it upsets me, and then I'm done. Two things... I would make this mistake again right. because I would evaluate the yard You've here. You've learned nothing. And I've, I look and I go, obviously this doesn't require maintenance. This is a great way to go. One of the reasons we are here legitimately is because there's such low yard maintenance. Right. Like I'm here to podcast. It's just the studio. Mo- exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's I, w- I could make the same mistake again. Number two, though, and I cannot see how I could have foreseen this. I used to live here. 
I lived in this house. This was his for house? like years, and this was never a thing. Then I moved out for like five or six years, and they got new housing authority uh, and all of that. Like the entire like community got replaced, and now this is how it's been. But I didn't know that before I came back. But this very house, I lived in it. And then I rented it, sounds like it out some Twilight Zone for like shit, five Chris. or six the years. Whole community so like, replaced. No, they're just the management. <laughs> now no, but no, I'm just very telling noisy. you, like at the time, I not only not only did I know what the sound was like here, I podcasted here before, so I have recorded shows <laughs> in this building before, and this was not a problem in the past. So I did not ever consider it would be a problem. You know, you come in, you invest money in a place, so you get the all the stuff done, you get the studio set up, and then this. Oh man, you've been betrayed. I'm gonna check my blood. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna, I got the watch on right here. I'm gonna check my heart rate right now. Just see what my heart rate is before. Then we're gonna start the show. Either Chris is going to the <gasps> hospital or we're starting the show. I just, it's, it's we just, don't know which. It's difficult no for me. It's difficult. Like I can't. I, I if I would what I would what I would what I what I would like to be able to do, Wes, is I'd like to be able to go back in time and go. This is where I made the mistake. And if Dummy Chris hadn't just done this dumb thing, he wouldn't be in this problem. He wouldn't be oh, in this situation. Dummy now. Chris causes you all kinds of uh, problems. I know. Past Chris is a, usually a d bag, and I can figure out. Oh, that's where he screwed up. But this time, like I, well, it says I'm only sixty nine beats per minute. I don't know if that. How could that possibly be? I'm gonna tighten this thing up one more notch. I'll tell you what, Wes. Tell you what. All right. Well, that's clearly not high enough. Someone <sighs> say something Chris hates. <laughs> Butter FS is the best. <laughs> that was really good. Wes. That's funny as hell. <laughs>